General Motors and the United Auto Workers Union have reached a tentative contract agreement that could end a six-week-old strike against the Detroit Three. Ford got its tentative deal last week. Stellantis was able to reach a settlement with the UAW on Saturday. So the stand-up strike that began on September 15th, mobilizing workers across all three companies for the first time ever, might be drawing to an end. It's fair to say there was, you know, momentum from everyone involved to just kind of bring this thing over the finish line and get it done now that we were getting closer to, you know, six weeks on strike. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. With us today is Jordan Grzlewski, who covers the automotive beat as part of the team at the Detroit News. Jordan, hi. Welcome back to Stateside. Hi, April. Good to be here. So let's talk about what we know about the terms of this tentative agreement. The contract is, you write, going to last just over four and a half years. It includes 25 percent general pay raises, right? Yeah, so 25% pay raises over the length of the contract. Um, It includes, the Ford TA includes $8.1 billion in product commitments and plant investments. It includes some really big improvements for temporary workers, which was a huge focus of the union. It includes the restoration of cost of living adjustments, um, contributions to all forms of retirement plans, and um, a whole lot of other things. So I think it's really being seen as a victory for the UAW and Sean Fain. And we expect similar provisions to be rolled out when we hear more about the Stellantis and GM tentative agreements. You mentioned temporary workers. These are folks who do not get the same wages and benefits as full-time employees. They're supposed to become eligible for equivalent pay and benefits after a number of years, but that clock can restart if there are, say, temporary layoffs at a plant. I know we don't have all the details in the contracts yet, Jordan, but what are some ways that temporary workers might benefit in the new tentative agreements with the Detroit Three? Yeah, so I it was pretty striking to me to see some of the improvements that the union was able to get for temporary workers. Um, they do make up a pretty sizable portion of the workforce, especially for GM and Stellantis. They make up a smaller portion of Ford's workforce. And up until now, as you said, they had two years to convert temps, Um, at least in the Ford TA, that amount of time is now going to go down to nine months, as I understand it, for new hires. And for the current temporary workforce, they will be eligible to um, be hired in after three months, so almost immediately upon ratification. And I think really striking here is that they will now be eligible for profit sharing, which is not something they could get before, as well as the $5,000 ratification bonus that Ford is offering to um, UAW members. And they will also be eligible for things like bereavement leave and sub pay when there are you know temporary layoffs at the plants. So I think this really goes a long way towards improving their um, working conditions. In terms of the broad strokes that we know of the tentative GM agreement right now, Jordan, do you see any major deviations from what the union negotiated with Ford and I suppose also Stellantis? Um, I don't think so. We are hoping to find out more about the GM TA later today. You know, Stellantis and GM did move over the weekend to match Ford on the 25 percent wage increases over the length of the contract. 
And, you know, we saw Stellantis move to, you know, pretty much match Ford on economics. I would expect that it would be similar for GM. I know that some of the sticking points over their, you know, final days of negotiations were things like temps and pensions. So we are still waiting to find out the details of that. But I would expect it to be, you know, broadly similar to what Ford got. Right. Union members, of course, are also looking forward to pouring over the details in advance of a ratification vote. Are there questions, though, that you have or that you think members might have about the fine print? Yeah, I think one of the really big open questions right now is, you know, it was a really big deal um, several weeks ago when the union announced that General Motors had agreed to put battery plant workers under the master agreement um, that it has with the union. And so far, we really have not gotten a lot of detail about what that actually means or what that looks like. Um, we did hear from the union yesterday that Ford had agreed to, you know, broadly something pretty similar, that they had agreed to put battery plant workers in Marshall under the master agreement. But I think, you know, journalists as well as UAW members are, are really hoping to hear more detail about, you know, the specifics of that. Will they be paid the same wages as the workers at the assembly plants? Um, you know, what will that process be? I think that's a really big open question right now. Man, it's like you're reading my mind. I was wondering exactly the same thing after Mary Barra said that workers at the battery plants would be included in this contract. I guess what I'm hearing from you is that the UAW has not come out and said these terms absolutely will apply to everyone in the new battery plants. Yeah, I, I think that's that's accurate. They did say, um, Sean Fain and Chuck Browning did say yesterday in regards to the Ford deal that the Marshall battery plant workers who will work for Ford, they will be able to organize via a card check process, which is essentially just an easier way to organize a union than having to go through a full NLRB election and that they would be part of the master agreement. They highlighted that there would be transfer rights for Ford workers um, in Marshall and at the Tennessee electric vehicle assembly plant that Ford is building. But, you know, both of those plants are still years out from even being open, or at least a couple years out from being open. And I think there are still a lot of questions about what the GM agreement on battery plant workers is. You know, GM did publicly acknowledge that, you know, there was some sort of agreement on that, but I think we're still waiting to figure out the details. We need to take a break. More in just a moment. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. For those who haven't been following this very closely, can you explain what is so significant about these EV battery plants that the union would care a lot about whether the contract would cover them? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, concern around the fact that the the future of the industry is electric, which will inevitably mean that at some point in the future, I think nobody really knows at what point yet, things like engine operations and transmission operations will no longer be as relevant as they are today and will eventually go away. 
So the union is really hoping to secure a, you know, its own future and the future of its workforce in these electric vehicle assembly plants, as well as the EV battery plants that all of the Detroit automakers are establishing. And one of the things that's been kind of a complicating factor is that the automakers are building these battery plants as joint ventures with, you know, battery making partners. So there have been a lot of open questions about, you know, what does it even look like to get those workers represented by the UAW and into the master agreement? And, you know, these contract negotiations, you know, have proven to be I think kind of the starting point of figuring that out, and that's going to play out in the years to come. Jordan, you've been talking with auto workers who are involved in this strike for quite a long time. I mean, not everyone has has been on a picket line for for the duration of this, but for some, it has been well over a month. Is your sense that the UAW members you've spoke with approve of the union's tactics? I mean, some of this stuff was a really big gamble for Sean Fain. Yeah, I would say that for the most part, the workers that I have talked to, you know, it sort of ranges from folks who were kind of immediately, you know, big fans of Sean Fain and voted for him as president and were very much on board with his strike strategy to folks who maybe didn't initially support him, but seemed to kind of come on board and um, form a united front. And um, I, I think there was certainly some anxiety and some questions around the fact that the union didn't, you know, do a, a strike of all of the Detroit three plants. Um, And if this had stretched on longer, I think that those anxieties would have grown. But, you know, there is now an end in sight. And I think that generally workers were supportive of the strategy. I'm sure there were some who were not. But generally, I think they were. Has GM said anything publicly yet about the tentative deal? No, we do not yet have a comment from them. Um, They declined to comment when we reached out this morning as the news was breaking. And I think we're all hoping that in the next few hours here, we will hear more from them as well as the UAW about what exactly is included in this deal. Do you think that there was anything? I mean, obviously, GM didn't want work stoppages at its plants going on any longer than absolutely necessary. But do you think there was anything specific that made a difference in the final days for GM to and the UAW to get the deal done? Absolutely, yeah. The UAW, in a surprise move on Saturday evening, struck one of GM's most important plans at Spring Hill plant in Tennessee, um, which builds the Cadillac Lyric and several other products and is really an important plant for the company. So I'm sure that that absolutely had an effect. You know, they... They don't want to see more of their plants go out. The fact that Stellantis um, got in line with Ford and came to a deal with the union on Saturday, I'm sure also had an impact. You know, and I, I think it's fair to say there was, you know, momentum from everyone involved to just kind of bring this thing over the finish line and get it done now that we were getting closer to, you know, six weeks on strike. So when is the ratification vote for the GM agreement? Um, we are not yet sure about that. So Ford will be first since they had the first agreement and we're expecting probably sometime next week or early into the following week, there would be a ratification vote for the Ford workers. So I would say at this point, we are a few weeks out from having all of the ratification votes done. And that's when this process will will actually draw to a close if the workers vote in favor of the deals. In the meantime, what happens? Are the plants where the stand-up strike has been taking place, uh, can folks get, get back to their jobs before the ratification? Yeah, so Ford workers are back at work now. It's my understanding that Stellantis workers are going back to work. 
We have not yet heard whether GM workers will immediately go back to work. I would expect that would be the case because that's what happened with um, Ford and Stellantis. So I think we'll see um, a pretty immediate restart of productions, although we have heard from, you know, Ford executives have made it very clear that this is a, you know, this is a process. You don't just flip the switch and your operations go back to the way they were overnight. This is a weeks long process to re-engage your supply base, ramp production back up. So, you know, the disruptions will continue to be felt for weeks to come, but we are starting to see now that production is, you know, getting back up and running. The UAW's counterpart in Canada, Unifor, uh, went into strike mode over the weekend. Do you have any updates for us on what's going on on the Canadian side? I guess one thing to note is that um, we also are seeing that negotiations in Canada have now wrapped up. Stellantis and Unifor, the Canadian Auto Workers Union, just struck a deal first thing this morning after going on strike for just a few hours. Um, So what that means is that negotiations have wrapped up on both sides of the border and the industry can kind of focus on what's ahead um, with deals in place across all of their workers in Canada and the U.S., Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, April. And that's the Stateside Podcast. I'm April Bear. You can find full Stateside shows at michiganradio.org. Also, did you know that we have a new podcast series? It's called Doe Dynasty, all about Michigan pizza history. You can binge that whole thing right now. Just go find it and subscribe. Today's pod was produced by Rachel Ishikawa, our podcast editor. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our intern is Olivia Meradian. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions and from Audio Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.